You know, I know um, I sort of, I usually start out a message or a sermon by sharing a funny story or, because really I am pretty funny. I don't care what my wife says. Look, she's shaking her head now. And so we usually share a story at the top. We usually share something that you would hear about being the hook to kind of grab your attention so that you can be in for the day. When we look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, there's no hook needed. There's nothing more that needs to be painted to grab your attention. And so today, I want you to flip to 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. And this is where we're going to be today, and I wish I could say we were going to be somewhere else, but we're not. This is very much in your face, and the reason I say that is because it has been in my face. And so I want you to read verse 21 with me as John closes out this letter. Verse 21 of chapter 5. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Now, I know that I always read, when you see it on the screen, it's always the New American Standard. And one of my mentors, um, Mr. Walt Peacock, gave me a, a little a little Bible that was about this big and it's the amplified version. He said, you know, just at times supplement this, look and it'll help you better understand what the context is saying. So my little black Bible was on my desk and I, and I pulled it out and I read. And I wanna to read to you what the amplified version, how it explains 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. It says, little children, in parentheses, it says believers or dear ones, guard yourselves from idols. And then in brackets, it says false teachings, moral compromise, and anything that you would place, that you would put in God's place in your heart. Did you hear that last part? Anything that you would put in the place of God in your heart. Now, when we look at chapter five, verse 21 on the surface, one would look at this verse and think, well, man, this belonged at the very beginning of this chapter, or even at the very beginning of this epistle, but my goodness, what a way to end 1 John chapter five. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Now, that's why it is so important. You hear us say it all the time that that's why it is so important that we read everything that's around other verses. A lot of times, you know, when you, when you share something on Facebook, it's one verse or it's this. What we have to understand is you've got to see the context of all that's around it. Because if you just look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, little children guard yourselves from idols. It seems like an abrupt ending. It seems like it is just kind of the, it just cuts it all off. But what we have to remember is everything that John has been talking about in 1 John chapter 5 up to this point because he's been talking about the truth of the gospel. He's been talking about who Jesus is. He's talking about the fact that he is our advocate, that he is our savior, that he is our eternal life, that he's love, that he's our authority, that he's our power to overcome, that he is truth, and that he's our assurance. 
And when we rest in who Jesus is, when we rest in everything that John's been talking about in this epistle of 1 John, when we rest in those things, this is when we find joy. This is when we find peace. This is when we find contentment. And Jesus' name is the only one that can provide that eternally. That's it. He is the only one that can provide joy, peace, and contentment. So why does John end so abruptly with such a harsh warning? If you remember back to last week, the world that we live in lies in the power of the evil one. And in the context of when and what John is writing right now, remember the false teachings are running rampant. And the false teachers are beginning to lead people back to the very thing that they'd left to serve Jesus. They're beginning to talk about this, this idol worship. They're beginning to, to confuse these new believers. And what they're trying to do is debate them back into the very thing that they turned and walked away from to follow Christ. And so the false teachings are running rampant He's trying, the false teachers are trying to lead them back to idol worship. And John is pleading, don't go back. Don't go back to the very thing that Jesus, the savior of the world has already delivered you from. Don't go back. And we hear the heaviness of John's heart when he starts out in verse 21. Little children. You know, you've heard us mentioned this phrase many times because specifically this is the seventh time that we've heard little children in 1 John. And so when we look at the, the context, when we look at the Greek, it comes from the word technon, which it says this, it's a tone and the affection of a pastor's heart. So when we hear little children, we know that there's care, that there's a burden, that there's, that there's love in his heart when he says little children. You know, I think about my children. I think about your children. How many times have, have our children escaped a near tragedy? A lot, right? If you haven't experienced that, I'll let you watch Deacon for about five minutes. How many times have you stopped your child from running out into the middle of the street or running through a parking lot? And when you finally grab them, when the, when the, the panic is over, you, you grab them. If you're like me, you about rip the limbs off of their body, trying to get them out of the way. You're squeezing them all the way back to where you're about to talk to them. And then all of a sudden you realize that could have been bad. And then you sit that child on your lap and you sit that child on your knee and you begin to pour out your heart. You look, look, baby, you can't do that. You can't do that because this almost ended bad. And so we begin to pour out our hearts to our children as to what the outcome could have been, that it could have been a tragedy, that it could have been a disaster. And so what we hear in that is that's John's heart. Is he saying, little children, be careful because what you're messing with could lead to disaster. What you're messing with could lead to a tragedy. So we hear that that is John's heart in this moment. So little children, guard yourselves. And so now we would have to believe that John has their attention and he states the clear warning. Guard yourselves 
from idols. So when we look at that word guard, we know that that's a military word. And it is a military word that is, is basically talking about an armed military guarding a restricted area. It's the enemy trying to come in and overtake something. It's the enemy trying to steal something. It's the, the enemy trying to overpower something. And so that's what John is specifically saying. He said, look, we've got to be like the military and we've got to protect what we have. We've got to protect the word that God is teaching us. We've got to protect what God is doing. And he's saying, look, you've got to protect that. Because remember, what you were serving before was, was full of hopelessness. There was no joy. There was no peace. And so we've got to protect about what we know now. Because remember, these are new believers. Their eyes have been opened to the gospel. Their eyes have been opened to the Savior. And John is saying, don't get sucked back in to what you've been delivered from. You've got to protect what you've experienced now. You've, you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good. And so why we have to be careful is because the enemy wants to steal you of that joy. He wants to rob you of that contentment. He wants to rob you of that peace because we know that if he can rob us of all those things, it's what we talked about last week, then we don't talk about how good they are. And so that's why we have to protect this joy. We have to protect this peace. Now look, I'm not saying that we have to protect our salvation, okay? Because we are secured in the Father's hand. There's nothing, remember, we lie in the world that it is influenced by the evil one, but the enemy can't what? He can't touch us. He can't touch us. But oh boy, he can try to bait us back in. And he can rob us of the joy of our salvation. He can rob us of that peace and that contentment. So we have to be on guard. But when we look at that word guard, it also references that, that of the, the job of a shepherd looking over his flock and looking over his sheep. And we get the image there of a shepherd watching his sheep by day and by night. And we see an angry, savage wolf that wants to do nothing more than destroy these sheep. And so the shepherd's job is to guard them, is to protect them, to overlook them. I read a Spurgeon quote this week and it says this, talking about protection and guarding. And, it, and Spurgeon says this, speak of having a box, not knowing what's inside. One wouldn't be careful to protect it. But if you know the one true God, you realize the treasure that you have and you protect it. So when we realize who we are in Christ, when we realize the joy of our salvation, when we realize the peace of our salvation, we understand that what we have is worth protecting. So we've got to be careful to guard what God has given us. But you know, in studying this, the Lord revealed something to me as a husband and as a dad. In light of thinking about a shepherd and the sheep, you know, I, I know John is challenging us to guard yourself. But as a husband and as a dad, what I realize is when I guard myself, I'm also guarding my wife and I'm also guarding my children. Because you see, God has entrusted me to influence them. God has entrusted me to lead them. God has entrusted me to direct them. God has entrusted me to teach them how to worship. 
Now, I was thought, uh, thought came back to my mind going back several years ago. We were in Cambodia on a mission trip. And we were in a, a Buddhist temple. Many of you have probably heard of it. It's called Angkor Wat. And it was, a, it was a, the largest Buddhist temple in the world. It was found, I believe, by elephant hunters and it was covered up by vines. And as they began to rip away the vines, all of a sudden this monstrosity of this, this temple was exposed. And just to be honest, it's one of the most beautiful things you will ever see in all of your life. All of these rocks just stacked on top of each other. It's mind blowing how long ago they were able to lift these things up and you're just in awe of this temple that was built for a dead God. And I remember as we were walking through this Buddhist temple, I, I rounded a corner and, and I was just set back at what I was watching. And as I watched a dad, probably about my age with his little five-year-old boy, I watched him teaching his child how to worship. And what I mean by that is there was a, a, a Buddha doll or whatever you call it there on a podium and I and I watched I stood back around the corner and I watched this dad teach his son how to light incense and I sat and I watched this father teach his son how to take everything that they had and lay at the the surrounding area of this Buddha and then what was the most heartbreaking thing as I watched the dad take his young boy by the hand and I watched them kneel down and I watched him begin to mimic and to bow down and to teach his little boy exactly how he thought the right way to worship a dead God was. And so I left there going, you gotta be kidding me. What this dad is teaching his child, there's no hope, there's no eternity, there's no security. And you see, that is essentially what John is addressing. John is addressing this idol worship, this, these man-made created figures that people were paying their respects to, that they thought that there was power in it. And so when we guard ourselves, I want you to hear me when I say that not only are we guarding ourselves, but we are guarding our families. We're guarding our wives, we're guarding our little ones. But on the flip side of that, just like this father in Anchorwatt, when we expose our families, when we expose our children, when we invite them to participate, we're ultimately teaching them what and how to worship. So the question is, what are you? What are you as a father? What are you as a mother teaching your children to worship? Now I know you're going, Brian, I would never bow down to some little chubby little man. I would never invite my wife or my kids to bow down to something that was man-made. I would never do that. Great. Congratulations. 
That one's pretty obvious. In our culture, now look, it's growing, but in our culture, in the world that we know, probably the majority of the homes that you walk into, you're not gonna walk into a home and see a a man-made figurine that has been carved or has been molded that that family is going to bow down and worship to. And if you did, you're gonna walk in and every discerning alarm in your eyes and mind and heart are gonna be going, something's wrong here, right? It's obvious. It's very, very obvious. But I want to remind you that the enemy doesn't want us to see the obvious. The enemy doesn't want us to see what is right in our face. Yes, it would be obvious that we walked into someone's home and we saw that. But let me remind you, that's not how Satan works. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 a verse that many of you have probably heard your entire life, but I just referenced it a minute ago. He says, be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The scariest word in that verse to me is prowls because prowl means they're sneaky. Prowl means they don't want to be obvious. If you see someone in your front yard, they're walking around with a flashlight, looking in your windows, you know something's going on. But the way a thief works, the way the enemy works, he doesn't want you to know he's there. He doesn't want you to know he's at work. So when somebody's planning to break in your home, I can promise you they're not coming in with every flashing light. They're coming in under the cover of darkness. They're prowling around. They're sneaking because they want what you have. Let me remind you that is the very way the enemy works. He prowls around. He sneaks around and doesn't want you to see the obvious. Because if if it's obvious, man, we're on alert. We're on top of it. But if it's sneaky, we're caught off guard. And we don't even recognize at times what the enemy is doing. So look, we're gonna do something very different this morning. We're gonna do a little exercise, not physical. Some of you are going, I haven't exercised in years. I'm trying to help you out. You just ate a bunch of food last week. But we've just finished the week of Thanksgiving. And so the exercise we're gonna do, this is the one time I'll tell you. I want you to get your phone out. If you've got a piece of paper and a notepad, I want you to take notes. I want you to, there's about six questions that I'm going to ask you that I want you to answer for yourself, okay? I know in light of Thanksgiving, we, we spent our week um, reminiscing and thinking about things that we were thankful for. And so these questions are gonna kind of be hinged around that. Now, I know this is very strange and this may go over like a lead balloon and if it is, I'll just scratch it for the second service, okay? But... Y'all are kind of the test dummy. So we'll see how this goes. I want you to answer this question. I want you to write down three things that you are most thankful for. Write down three things that you are most thankful for. Now, don't give me the Sunday school answer or the super spiritual answer. You just answer it as it comes to your mind. Second question. If today was your last day on earth, what would you do? If today was your last day on earth, what would you do? 
Now, I know some of you super spiritual people are going, I need to pray about this. No, you don't. Just write the answer down. Today was your last day on earth. What would you do? Third question. Where do you go? Where do you run? Or what do you do when you get stressed out? Where do you run or what do you do when you get stressed out? Fourth question. This is for all of you parents. If you could change one thing in your child's life, what would it be? If you could change one thing in your child's life, what would it be? Number five, you're gonna love this one. This one may take like 10 minutes to answer. If you're given a million dollars, how would you spend it? If you're given a million dollars, how would you spend it? <laughs> Lastly, if you could change one thing in your life, what would it be? If you could change one thing in your life, what would it be? Now, I know some of you may be still typing or writing or thinking, or for you super spiritual ones, you still may be praying. I want you to look back over that list. And I would venture to say that everything on your list, that none of it appears evil. None of it appears of the devil. Nothing on that list appears demonic. And in most cases, everything that you're looking at on your sheet of paper is good. Everything you're looking at is good. You do realize that, according to the book of James, that every good gift is from God. Every good thing is from God. But you see how sneaky Satan himself is? You see how sneaky the enemy is? The way the devil works, the way the enemy works, he wants to take the very good things that are from God and he wants you to focus on the good things instead of the one who provided the good things. He wants you to look at this list and realize that these are all good things, but what he wants you to do is forget who provided them. He wants you to forget who is the life source of those good things. 
Because you know how the devil works? He knows you and he knows me. And he knows if he can get you to change your focus and get you looking at all of the good things, he knows how we're wired. And he knows exactly how we will respond and he knows exactly what we will do. We will take these good things that God has given us and we will pour all of our emotion, we will pour all of our energy, we will pour all of our resources, we will pour all of our time into something that will not last. He wants you to take everything that you are and pour it into the good things that God has blessed you with. And then at some point, you're gonna realize the very thing that you have poured out, all of your resources, all of your time, all of your emotion, you're gonna realize at some point it's going to let you down. At some point, it's going to break your heart. At some point, it's going to leave you scratching your head. And church, I want to tell you that I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to tell you that what a lot of you are putting your time into, what you're putting your energy into, what you're putting your emotion into, what you're putting your resources into, can I tell you that there's coming a day that it won't matter? Because the only thing that will be left standing is the name of Jesus. The one that we just sung about. The enemy wants you to look for joy. He wants you to look for peace. He wants you to look in con for contentment in all of the things that will not last. And you know, if he can get us to a place where we're pouring all of our emotion, all of our energy, we're pouring all of our heart into something that is good and we forget the one who provided it, you understand that the enemy has created an idol in your life. You never saw it coming because he was doing it very sneaky. He was slivering his way in because an idol is anything that takes the rightful place of God. Anything that takes the rightful place of God. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, but Satan's goal is not to get you to bow down and worship him. That's not Satan's goal. Satan's goal is to simply cloud and mar your relationship with Jesus Christ. He just wants to distract you. He wants your focus on all of the good things because he knows how we're wired because what happens is we will take the very good things of God and we will make good things God things. And look, I deal with it every day. I dealt with it this week. Dealt with it Friday. 
Y'all all know, most of you that has been going here, my, day is, my study day is Tuesday. Well, I was deer hunting with my boys in Kentucky. Praise the lamb. So I wasn't studying on Tuesday. So I had it in my mind, I'll, I'll get up Thanksgiving and I'll study some and then I'll go to the woods again when I'm home, right? It's deer season. Then Friday morning, I'll squeeze in a quick hunt Friday morning and then Friday afternoon, I'll go and lock myself up, get under my desk and spend time with the Lord. So at four o'clock Friday morning, it's like the Holy Spirit said, hey, wake up. In a matter of about 15 minutes, God laid every bit of this on my heart, laying in the bed. So my flesh, still wanting to take this good gift of God, because look, there's so many good things that happen when I get to spend time with my boys in the woods. I get to talk about the Lord. We get to celebrate. But where I've got to be careful, I have an obsessive personality, and I am very careful to know and understand and recognize that I have an issue with making a good thing a God thing. Pouring all of my emotions, pouring all of my resources, pouring all of my time into something that will not last. And so even my flesh, Friday morning, it's four o'clock. I look at the clock, I said, okay, it's four. I can get up now and start studying. Yeah, I can get this thing done by, you know, by the time the sun comes up, I can still be in the tree. How selfish am I? And the Holy Spirit convicted me and he said, look, little child, guard yourself from an idol. Today's about me. Are you kidding me? My heavenly father wanted to spend time with me, wanted to pour into me, wanted to teach me, wanted to mold me. But in my mind, I'm wanting to choose my flesh over what the Holy Spirit of God was wanting to do for me. Now, look, I know I'm the only one that has the platform to stand up and say that. But I wonder how many of you are in this room right now that you can look in your life, you can look at that list you wrote down, and yes, they're all good things, but how many of you have bought into the lies of the enemy and you have exalted that thing above the name above all names? Man, it's quiet in here. Come on. I don't guess that's the part you applaud because I wasn't applauding. I was broken before God. And I had to ask the Lord for forgiveness. And look, church, I'm just simply telling you this because I love you. Whatever you have in your life right now that is clouding and marring your relationship with Jesus Christ, it is of the devil. The famous words of, what's his, what's his name? His mama, it's of the devil. What movie is that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Waterboy. See, y'all all know. Y'all watch those cynical movies too. It's of the devil. Anything in your life 
that is clouding and marring your relationship with the one who laid down everything he had to reconcile you back to the Father, it is of the devil. It is of the enemy. Because his goal is not as to bow down and worship him, but it's just to simply get us in a place where we're not worshiping God. So what is it in your life that's clouding your relationship with him? Is it a promotion at work? Is it driving the nicest vehicle in town? Are you exhausting everything to achieve a level of social status? I don't even wanna say this one, but we're going to because it's what the Lord laid on our hearts. Your parents, are you so concerned about your child being the best athlete that you're resourcing all of your energy, all of your time? What for? What for? Because there's coming a day that it won't last. And the reason I can say that is I used to be there. I went to every basketball camp under the sun. They never taught me how to grow though. Still frustrated about that one. I did everything I could in football. I did everything I could in soccer. I did everything I could in track. And guess what? Now I'm 43 years old and all I do is hurt because of it. But at a time in my life, that's where I put all of my emotion, all of my resources, all of my time is I took the very good thing that God gave me and I made it a God thing, little g. Moms and dads, where you're placing your emotion today, where you're placing your energy today, where you're placing your resources today is the very place you're teaching your child to bow. I don't know about you, but that, that hurts. Because Brock's enough like his daddy. He obsesses over things. And all that 13-year-old boy talks about is a deer. Church, that's on me. Why is he not continuously talking about the goodness of God and how God has blessed us and how God has given us opportunities and how God has opened doors? And I hate to say it, but it's even spilling over on my little five-year-old. We pull up the other night in the truck and there's a deer on the back. And my little five-year-old pats it on the back and she goes, okay, it's time to cut this sucker open. What if I told her? But what that lets me know, it lets me know where a lot of my energy, a lot
lot of my emotion and a lot of my resources are going. I challenge you to look back at that list that you wrote down just a minute ago. Be careful. The enemy is prowling around. He's sneaking around. And he wants you to lift those good things over the one true God. Little children, church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, be careful. Be careful. Be careful not to make the good things God things. But I wonder right now in this room, how many of us would be honest to say, Brian, I've done it. Brian, I'm doing it. We're gonna sing a song in just a minute about an altar. I wonder how many of you would take that good thing. Not that you've got to sacrifice it or cut that sucker open. But how many of you are willing to lay it on this altar? Not that you have to die to it. Not that you have to be done with it. But you can just say, God, okay, I know that you have blessed me with this thing. I know that you have gifted me with this thing. And so, God, I'm going to place it on this altar. And I'm going to say, God, somehow use this good thing for your glory. God, somehow use this good thing to make your name famous. But for some of us, Maybe it does need to be sacrificed. Maybe it does need to be left in this altar. Maybe it's some addiction. Maybe it's some habitual sin that you continue to run to when you get stressed out. I'll go ahead and tell you, he's not gonna take that habitual sin and use it for his glory. Now he will take the redemption story from that habitual sin and use it for his glory. But are you willing today to lay it in this altar and say, God, I'm done with it. It is yours. Because the very thing that I am bowing to is the very thing that I'm teaching my children to bow to. So how many of us would be willing to say, God, here's my heart, Lord. Have your way and speak what's true even if it hurts. Because look, I wish I could say that I got up from my recliner Friday and thought, man, that's just the best I've ever felt spending time with the Lord. It was awful. It was awful. But I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for that bruising blessing. So I want you to stand to your feet and Now you're thinking, man, last week was a lot better. I left out of here on cloud nine last week. Can I tell you? You lay down what the Holy Spirit has convicted you of today, you will leave here on cloud nine again. So what good things in your life is the enemy trying to make God things? God, I pray that right now that 
that this church family would get honest before you. God, we don't have to iron out our laundry this morning. We're not gonna pass a microphone around and announce what we're laying down in this altar, but God, I wonder if we would be humble enough to take a step out of the aisle and come to this altar in just a a state of surrender. Some of us today have taken worry. We've taken concern. We've taken our world situation and God, we are allowing it to rule us. We are allowing it to control us. And God, I pray today that we've taken that and we would leave it in this altar this morning. So God, as your spirit's moving in the heart of your people this morning, God, I pray that we would be humble enough to deal with what you're dealing with in us. So God, have your way this morning in Jesus' name.